Well, he is risen, isn't he? He is risen indeed. We want to welcome you here today, whether you're joining us online this morning or you're here in the sanctuary or in the overflow there in the gym, we welcome you here today. Let's pray as we look into God's word. Father, thank you so much for sending the Lord Jesus, and we welcome you here by your spirit. You like to be welcomed, and we pray that you've been blessed and exalted and lifted up through this time. And now as we consider your word, would you speak into our hearts as only you can? And we pray these things and invite these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're concluding a series of messages today called The Days. And we've looked at three days that changed the course of history like no other three days in the history books that have ever been recorded. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, when Jesus was executed. Saturday, the day of silence, the day after, the day before, the day in between. And today we consider Sunday, and it's called this little talk that I'm going to give, the day of days, when the world changed forever. The early followers of Christ developed this greeting that many of us are familiar with, that when they would greet one another, they would remind themselves of what took place on Sunday. And it's funny how a greeting can move us, because we don't often think about what happened in the days of Christ. It's funny how a greeting can move us to hope or to not. I've never personally had this happen myself, but maybe you have heard this happen. The high school computer comes on, computer voice, or the app shows up on your phone, and it says something like this, greetings, your child was missing from school today. And so the first word is extremely positive and inviting, but then the message takes a decidedly downhill turn. As I said, the disciples... Uh, when they would greet one another, had an expression they would use, and I'd like to try it with you. They would say to one another, Christ is risen, and the response was, he is risen indeed. So let's try that together. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's do it one more time. Christ is risen. Is risen indeed. On Friday, the great courage that got Jesus arrested, knowing what was coming, and we talked about that, he had full knowledge. His great love was on display as he went to the cross. His tragic ending turned out to be the greatest sacrifice the world has ever known. On Saturday, we talked about this last week, there was the great silence because the king was sleeping. But Saturday was necessary. You couldn't just jump from Friday to Sunday. Saturday was necessary. The day after, the day before, the day in between. Saturday. And then on Sunday, the stone got rolled away. On Sunday, death lost its sting. The grave lost its victory. On Sunday, hell was defeated. Death was dethroned. Darkness was derailed. The devil was crushed. On Sunday, the tomb was empty. Faith was vindicated. The prophets were validated. The soldiers were aggravated. On Sunday, sin lost and love won. On Sunday, 
We have something beyond us to live for, something beyond us to die for, something beyond death to hope for. At the end of this talk today, we've been singing all about what I'm going to talk about today and reading all about it. At the end of this talk today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. If that's something you've never done, I'm going to give you the chance. I want you to begin preparing your heart for that opportunity. And we're going to be talking, and we have been talking about the what. I want you to be listening for the why as we continue this talk. But right now, if you have your Bible or your device, turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, as we read the story, chapter 28, verses 1 to 9. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. You know, it's interesting when Jesus greets the women, his greeting to them seems rather understated because Bear in mind what's going on here. The women are devastated. They have given their life. They've been part of the group that's traveled with Jesus, that's served with Jesus. And they are devastated because they had their hopes set on what he was talking about. And they loved him. They sacrificed greatly for him. And they saw him falsely arrested He saw him being lied about. They saw him convicted even though he had done nothing wrong. They saw him die a horrible death. And now they're going to the tomb to prepare the body. And he's gone. And there's an angel there. And as you're reading this, as then Jesus speaks to them, you're thinking to yourself, okay, Jesus is going to have some amazing statements that he's going to say to them. Because remember, he was a gifted rabbi like none other. He was the smartest guy in the room and God as well. Fully God and fully man. And he comes up with a very simple thing that he says to them. He simply says, greetings. And if you translate that into Canadian English in 2022, he basically says to them, so, how's it going? In other words, what did you expect? 
I told you that this was going to happen. And you shouldn't be surprised that it happened because if you think about it, God created all the universe, which he did. And God sustains all the universe, which he does. And if those things are true, resurrection is really not that big a deal for him. Dale Bruner was telling the story that we've read today to a bunch of children. And when he got to the part where Jesus is interacting with the women, he said to the children, what do you think Jesus' first words to the ladies were? And a little girl jumped to her feet and said, ta-da! Sunday changes everything. But maybe not exactly the way people usually think. If you notice in his talk with them, he doesn't offer an explanation of how or why. He simply gives them an assignment. He says, go and do this, ladies. And a lot of people are under the mistaken impression that Easter is this quaint little comforting story that spring is coming and everything's going to be okay. And some people think of it as a fairy tale that people use as a crutch to relieve the tensions of life and everybody lives happily ever after in this story. And that is exactly what it is not. Not in any sense. If you were to read the eyewitness historical accounts in the four biographies of Jesus' life, we call them the Gospels, and then later in the New Testament you see that he appeared to 500 people at different times over a course of 40 days, all of whom were prepared and in many cases did sacrifice everything in their life for their belief that he rose from the dead. Resurrection is a powerfully illustrated thing in our history. If the person and if people read that, we, we, we get the idea that this is exactly what it's not, that it's just a little fairy tale. And if you read these eyewitness accounts, you're going to see that they were actually more afraid after the resurrection than before. You never read in the accounts that immediately after the, erection, the, the resurrection, them saying, you don't have to worry about dying. The passage actually says a very weird set of words. It says, they were afraid, yet filled with joy. They were afraid, and yet filled with joy. Two ideas or emotions we don't normally tag together. In the book of Mark, which is a parallel passage to this, it says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. In the book of John, another parallel passage, it says, even after the appearance of Jesus, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. When Jesus appears to them, he doesn't say, okay, now all your troubles are over. Let's all go to heaven and have a party. He doesn't say, be relieved. He doesn't say, thank you, God, the hard part is over. What he does say to them is he says, the cross didn't stick. The cross didn't stick. And this is why we have an empty cross 
This is why a couple weeks ago our team painted this picture of Jesus ascending Golgotha for you and for me. He is saying to them and to us, the cross did not stick. The cross equals love. Their conspiracy to to crush my movement didn't work. My plan to love even your enemies and to be willing to sacrifice, to suffer, to die, has been vindicated by my Father. And so Pilate and the chief priests are furious, they're ticked off, and they're desperate. And Jesus, very early in the conversation, begins to sow into the conversation, soon I'm going to be going back to my Father. In fact, 40 days later, he will ascend to the right hand of the Father. But I'm going to send the Spirit of God to empower you, to point you to me, to convict you of your need for relationship with me. But right now, I want you to go out and tell everyone that the cross failed, that Caesar failed, that Pilate failed, that the chief priests failed. And remember, like we talked about in these last couple of weeks, at this point in history, Jerusalem is a powder keg. And the Romans are running around crucifying people left, right, and center, putting down little mini rebellions. And so to be sent out by Jesus to tell everyone, I'm a Jesus follower, and he has conquered death, that was a very dangerous assignment right then. And they know this, and it scares them. On Sunday, their lives didn't get safer. And we are quite obsessed in North America with being safe. Life got more dangerous on Sunday. But on Sunday, there was also something more powerful than danger. And that's why the text says they were afraid and yet filled with joy. And so Sunday is not this comforting little story. It's not some generic reassurance in the face of death. Sunday is Jesus. And Sunday means that everything that Jesus said about God, about life, about death, about faith, about sin, about giving, about forgiveness, and about suffering. It's all true. It's all true. Sunday means the God who created everything is recreating everything. I don't know if you noticed, but in two of the songs, this idea was implanted in two of the songs we sang earlier. He offers to you a new identity based on the resurrected Christ. And like I said earlier, at the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity, and I invite you to be prepared for that, to receive a new identity in Jesus. Not based on what you've done or not done, but based exclusively on what he's done for you. A new identity based on the resurrected Christ. Jesus, in carrying on the story in verse 10 from Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. That's a significant thing, and I'll explain it in a second. Go and tell my brothers 
to go to the Galilee. In other words, go from Jerusalem up north in the northern part of Israel, make the walk, go to the Galilee, and there they will see me. Remember historically that the last time Jesus saw these guys, they had deserted him when he was arrested in the garden. And I want you to imagine with me how they're feeling at this point as they think about themselves and their actions. The moment when he needed us the most, moments after we had promised that we would go all the way with him, we said we would go to prison with him, and some of them even said, we are willing to die with you. And the moment when they came for him, we all ran and we abandoned him. And then the chief spokesperson of the group denied him on three separate occasions. I don't even know him. And so imagine the words that are flowing through their mind when they think about their actions. They're thinking about themselves, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm a coward. And yet Jesus says in verse 10, go and tell my brothers. This is the heart of Jesus for them and for you. And so if you're here or you're online or you're in the gym, have you failed God? Have you failed yourself or people that you love? And perhaps you're here and you're thinking, it's hopeless. God could never forgive me for the things that I've done. I want you to know that Jesus is in the business of extending grace. The God of the Bible is the same God today. And he says to you, brother, or he says to you, sister. And he wants a relationship with you. You know, it's interesting, and I talk about this from time to time, because it's extremely significant. In all four Gospels, the task of reporting what happened with the resurrected Christ is given to women. This is one of the strong proofs as well that the resurrection literally happened because in that era, it made no sense to let the women be the first people to report this. And we don't think about this stuff, but in the ancient world, women were not even allowed to serve as witnesses in a legal dispute. And so if five women were eyewitnesses to a crime, the criminal went free because the women were not allowed to testify. But this is completely in contradiction to what God says about women. God says in his word that they're equally loved, equally important, equally valued. And so from a human perspective, at that point in history, it didn't make sense to ask the women to report this because in that culture, they wouldn't have, their word wouldn't have been accepted. But God wanted to make a powerful point in terms of your role in the kingdom. And so they are entrusted with the honor of reporting, the first reporting, that he is risen. Now the sad thing is in Luke chapter 24, one of the historical accounts of the resurrection, when they go to tell the men, the men do not believe the women. 
And then Jesus, a little bit later, appears to the men. Ta-da! And I can just imagine, I'd love to have been in that room, because I can just hear the women whispering in the background to the men, we told you so. Easter changes everything. And at the heart of why he came, remember I invited you to think about why, let me articulate it again. This is why he came for you. He came to give you a new identity with God. He came to provide for you a new intimacy with God that's not possible apart from Jesus. He came to give you a new family with other people who have the same kind of relationship with Jesus. And the image of family, being part of the family of God, is is huge in scripture. He came to give you something to live for, something worth dying for, something much bigger than you, something that is beyond your own capacity, something that he will have to help you with, something that not only changes every day of your life going forward, changes also your eternity and where you'll spend it. But one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't make it safe. It doesn't make it safe. And Jesus invites you to be part of his movement that's bigger than you. And at the heart of this is this image in scripture of taking up your cross, dying to yourself, and following him exclusively. And really, part of the image of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is there's some stuff that every one of us needs to die to. Surrender to God and say, would you take this out of my life? In other words, we have to go through a type, our own type of three-day experience of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says, I've been crucified with Christ. He's using this powerful imagery. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I lived in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so Jesus is saying, Scott, the part of you that is selfish, the part of you that is sinful, the part of you that is all messed up, and this is the story of every human being, the part of me that has separated me from a holy, pure God. The Bible says, I want to take that old nature, and we sang about this, like I said, I want to take this old nature and put it away. And I want to give you a new nature. And that's why Jesus had to die. The idea behind Friday is not so much that he died so I don't have to. The idea behind Friday is that he died so I could die with him. And so the part of me that's sinful, the part of me that's selfish, the part of me that's dark that I'm ashamed of, the part that I can't control no matter how hard I try, apart from a life surrendered to Christ and a life filled with the Spirit, I can surrender these things to God. I can die to the old way. I can take up the cross be filled with the Spirit. There's this wonderful promise. 
again, that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if they've given their life to Jesus, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. This is why Jesus came. That's the kind of relationship he wants with each one of us. I want to get very personal with you for a few minutes. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is in the business of forgiving sin. He offers this new identity. He'll offer you a new reason to live. He'll offer you a purpose in life that's greater than you. He offers you a new hope beyond death. And my question to you is, has he done this for you? Have you responded to him personally? You see, no one else can do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. The church can't do it for you. What I mean by that is simply by going to church, going to church is a good thing, but in no way does that give you a relationship with God. Being a good person, that's a good thing to do, but in no way does that give you a relationship with God. Giving money to good causes, good thing to do. In no way, not even close, does that give you a relationship with God. Have you responded personally and said to him, I'm yours? That's what the word believe means. It's not just, I think he's there. It means I'm all in with him. Have you committed your life to the spirit-filled God-man? Have you said, I am willing to die to my old self and I ask him to make me alive? And in a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. It was a movie that came out eight years ago. It's based on a book. It's a true story. It's the story of Louis Zamperini, who was an Olympic runner in the 1930s. He had this amazing life all charted out that he was looking forward to. And then World War II happened. He was in the Air Force. He was shot down over the Pacific. He ended up clinging to a life raft for 47 days on the open ocean. He gets rescued by a ship, but it's an enemy ship. He gets sent to a prisoner of war camp where he is starved, he is beaten, and he's tortured at length. And I don't want to ruin the book for you, but he makes it. He comes home, and everybody's thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. It's going to have this great happy ending. When he comes home, his life completely falls apart. The fear and the bitterness and the intense hatred he had for the people that tortured him. He picked up a bottle and he didn't come out of it for a long time. But he had this fabulous wife. And in desperation, because the marriage is about to crash and burn, she takes him to a meeting. And it's the late 1940s now. And he goes to hear this guy named Billy. And Billy begins to talk about Jesus in a way that Lewis had never heard. He says, you know, Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And he was raised from the dead on Sunday. Would you like to have a relationship with God through him? Well, Lewis was so angry, he stomped out 
and said he'd never come back. But his wife was desperate and he didn't want to lose her. So he went back a second time. And the second time, the story was very similar because the story doesn't change, but it was presented in a different way. And Billy said again, if you will confess your sin and ask for forgiveness and receive Jesus as Savior and surrender your life to him and make this very personal choice that no one else can make for you, God will change your life. Well, Lewis was so furious, he got up and went to stomp out again, but he couldn't walk. And he suddenly had this incredibly vivid memory of his time on the life raft, 47 days. No one had ever drifted on a raft that long before and survived. And he remembers during his time that he prayed to a God he didn't even know if God was there, but he prayed to God and he said, if you save me, I'll give you my life. And at that meeting, even though he'd completely thrashed his life, he says, okay, God. And he surrendered his life to Jesus. And he was a changed man. How about you? The story that they're painting for you, this is not some fairy tale. This is historical fact. Check it out. I would encourage you to check it out. I would argue there's no other ancient fact more testified to than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So our team is painting this thing, which they're doing an awesome job of. I'm incredibly proud of you guys. How about you? Maybe you've been far from God, I don't know. Maybe you've done things that you're really ashamed of and you're thinking to yourself, there's just no way God could forgive me. Don't underestimate God. His grace is mind-bogglingly big. Or maybe you're here um, and you're basically a pretty decent person. That's who I was before I came to Jesus. I was a very moral person, grew up in a moral home. We thought we were going to have a relationship with God because we were good people. And when we were actually confronted with what the scripture says, we understood being a good person doesn't cut it. And so if you're here today and you would long to have the kind of relationship with God like I've been talking about, I want you to know that Jesus is accepting people right now. If you would like to know the freedom that comes from having your sin forgiven, wow, it's an awesome thing. Having your sin forgiven. If you would like to know the challenge that comes from surrendering your life to him and letting him reshape your life and use you all through the course of your life for a purpose greater than you that is beyond you, that is only possible through him. If you're interested in that, I'm going to invite you to receive Christ. And in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get everyone, whether you're online, you can do this at home, or if you're in the gym, or if you're in here, I'm going to get you in just a minute to bow your head. And I don't want to surprise you, so I'm going to tell you what happens so you know and you make an informed choice. I'll get you to bow your head. I'll get you to raise your hand, and online pastor will put a button up on the screen for those online, and you can press the button indicating you're raising your hand. 
And by raising your hand, you're saying, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my personal savior and the one in charge of my life, the Lord of my life. And, and you're, by doing this, you're indicating to God, and I'll be looking, and I'll see your hand. And then I'll pray, and I'm just going to get you to pray along with me. I'll pray slowly. You can pray out loud. And you should know there's going to be people all around this worship center this morning praying for you. They don't know your name. But the people that are part of the family of God are going to be praying for you as you make that choice. And then when you're done, I'm going to ask you to go and tell someone what you've done. You can tell the people you came with. There's going to be people at the front here of the sanctuary or at the information desk. You can go, and if you go, they will give you a gift. Um, And all the gift is is just some tools to help you begin growing in your new relationship with God. And we have bags for people that are adults or people that are children. And so there's special bags and stuff for each age grouping. So if you have prayed to receive Christ, I invite you to go either to the front where Elvin will be or to the info desk. Okay, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. And I can see quite well in here, so I just invite you to do that. And if you have never received Jesus Christ in the way I've talked about, in a personal way, and you would like to do that this morning, I invite you to raise your hand now so God sees and I can see. So just raise your hand so I can see. Okay. I'm going to give you a moment. So I'm going to pray now. And if you'd like to receive Christ, you pray along with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for voluntarily dying for me. I understand now that I have done sinful things. Things that separated me from a holy God, a perfect God. And you went to the cross to pay for my sin in full and to die in my place. Thank you for that. I ask you to forgive me now. I receive you as the savior of my life. But also, Lord, I want a life that counts for something. And so I surrender my life to you. I don't know what all that means, but I trust you. Take my life and use it in the way you see fit. In a way that brings glory to you. In a way that makes a difference for eternity. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that the angels, Scripture says, are throwing a cosmic celebration right now. Cosmic party. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.
Three days that changed the world.